Oh man, <laughs> listen to that open. I had no idea this was about to happen. I mean, grab me a pint. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to go. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all, man. But That's, this is Freedom mix, and that is not our typical intro music, but <laughs> tis the season. Zach. I mean, March 17th, Freedomics, the podcast slash show, whatever you want to call it, depends on how you're viewing or listening to it, I suppose, uh, that combines the macroeconomic environment with the freight, transportation, global supply chain. We cover it all here, uh, especially current conditions and uh, you know, topical items for freight. That's right. As you said, this is Freightonomics. I'm Anthony Smith, Chief Economist here at Freightwaves, here alongside Zach Strickland, the Sultan of Sonar, Director of Freight Market Intelligence. And Zach, we are, we're in for a treat this show. I'm excited. This is long overdue. This is someone that's been you, a minute. Yeah, <laughs> quite too many. And someone that you're all probably familiar with and been missing for so long. Because typically, we like to lead in with a few news items, things like that. But we got to jump right into Not it. Not today. <laughs> we have the man of the hour, Dr. Zach Rogers himself here with us. Zach, we miss you. I feel like... Welcome back. I feel like we need like applause yeah. or something. Like, <laughs> Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. So you, you, you changed your schedule on us. You're now teaching America's young minds. Doing your full-time job. And your work. <laughs> no, no, that's not right. I've always taught on Thursdays. You guys used to be a Wednesday show. So it's, I, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever the reason, we're glad you're here today. Uh, you know, especially considering it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time. Obviously, it's been an interesting time for nearly two years in a row now. But uh, right now, we're kind of at a, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a kind of a crux or a transitional point it, in the society slash economy slash freight market. Uh, but it looks like things might be still kind of tumultuous. We've got the conflict in Ukraine and things like that. But um, I, I can't wait to hear your take on some of these, uh, you know, I guess, current topic, top of mind items. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for thanks for having me on. And it, it's so funny because, you know, we do these these reports monthly and so we have all these numbers kind of through the end of February. And I do think they reflect a little bit the start of the of the Ukrainian uh, you know, invasion. Um, but then it doesn't quite capture everything. Right. So we have right. some spots in in March. Uh, and I actually did something I don't normally do, which is ran the data prematurely uh, for March because I knew I was coming <laughs> to talk to you guys. Uh, so I have some stuff that it's it's early. It's early days. But but I think it's really interesting. And and, you know, really the story of, of the LMI both in February and in March is um, is the inventory backup. You know, so we had all this stuff and we we're rushing it over to get here for uh, for the holiday season. And then, you know, trucks are showing up or boats are showing up in like mid-February with Christmas presents on them. And, uh, and at the same time that happens, and this is where you really see the Ukrainian piece come into it. Um, at the same time that happens, Consumer spending slows down like crazy for both December and February. We saw a little bit of a comeback in January, and I was I was watching you guys talking about the um, talking about the uh, the the tender rejection rate. Maybe it was yesterday, whenever you guys reported that. Uh, I was I was watching because yeah, I'm a, I'm a faithful viewer. There you go. <laughs> I was watching you guys talking about the tender rejection rate, and and you you even called out. Yeah, we saw some kind of you know it, it seemed like it was going back in January, and then it softens way up in February again, and that's fully a a. a uh, really a function of a couple things. One of those 
is fuel prices. And, and we see real consumer spending in terms of retail spending basically was flat in February um, because we're spending more money on gas and things like that. And because of that, our inventory number in February was uh, an 80.2. And just because it's been a while since I've been here, to remind uh, <laughs> all the, the viewers, the LMI scale of zero to 100, anything above 50 is growth. The further above 50 it is, uh, the greater the rate of growth. And so 80 represents really, really significant rates of growth. In fact, before last month, the highest number we'd ever had for inventory levels was 72. And so we have inventory growing faster than it's pretty much ever grown. At the same time, inventory costs uh, went above 90 for the first time last month. And running these numbers, um, you know, kind of preemptively, these aren't going to be the final numbers, uh, but, but running the early numbers for March, we're going to be in the same neighborhood uh, with inventory costs actually are going to be around a 93 and a half uh, if the numbers hold where they are. And it's, and it's so funny because, you know, all of last year, inventory couldn't, we couldn't get inventory to go up at all because something would hit the shelf and then it'd be gone. But costs were really, really high because everything was moving fast, right? We had really high velocity. And so we had these really high dynamic utilization costs. What we're seeing right now is more like static utilization. And this is mostly at the durable goods level, static utilization where we have a lot of inventory and it's costing us a lot of money to hold it because it's not moving. And so it's, it's a really sort of interesting, this really the last couple months has definitely been a transition, I think definitely for the macro economy, but also for what we're seeing uh, with the LMI. And Zach, I think well, that's one of the things that we've been really talking to for quite some time now, especially I think we saw inventories increase um, during those unseasonable times. We were looking at, you know, going into January, February, those back-to-back increases. And now where it's at right now, uh, one of the things I love that you guys do with the LMI is breaking it down from that upstream to downstream. What's that looking like when you're looking at that upstream inventories versus downstream? Right. So if, if you break out, <clears throat> if you break out upstream and, and downstream, it's funny, you're actually, so you're seeing significant levels of, of growth on, on both sides, but there's actually more upstream, which you I don't think you would maybe necessarily expect uh, because you think, well, this is all consumer goods. But what's happening is a lot of these, these big consumer goods companies are telling their upstream vendors, well, you hold on to that until we need it, basically. You know, there's been a lot of talk about just in time versus just in case. Is just in time going away? It's not really. I mean, I think we're seeing some some shifts in in strategy, but but the big guys, your WalMarts, Amazons, all those, yeah, their their inventory's up, but really what they what they would prefer and what they're making happen right now because of their leverage, uh, you know, and bargaining power, is they're they're storing as much of that inventory upstream as they possibly can, and so we see, you know, three PLs, uh, wholesalers, and folks like that with a ton of inventory. And one of the things that's doing, because there's a little bit of a disconnect, you know, when I come out and say, oh, there's tons of inventory. And then there's reports of like stuff not showing up to grocery stores. So how could that be happening? Well, basically what it is, is right now, all of this durable consumer goods inventory is sort of soaking up capacity. And so there's not enough until maybe the diesel thing that's happening right now. There's not enough to move all that inventory forward if it's the really high turnover stuff like microchips and grocery and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, this environment's fascinating to me because we, we, we transitioned into the COVID world. Everybody started buying stuff, working from home. 
now we're starting to transition out of the COVID world, but it's not going to be the same on the other end. And I don't think anybody fully understands what that's going to be like. And of course, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to hit on this idea. I have kind of a theory <laughs> uh, because I've, I've talked to a lot of people in recent weeks that have gone back to work and in the office. Um, and, and I know inflation, 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 Anthony Smith, <laughs> uh, quote, Anthony Smith, um, it gets a lot of the pub. And of course, the, de- uh, the gas prices, oil prices have a, a huge impact on that. But I, I feel like society itself, like a, there's a cultural shift that's actually helping along this impact of inflation where people are returning to the office. They're returning back to the way of life that they had before COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And there's going to be, and, and I don't think we can clearly see what that looks like yet in, in total, but I feel like there's a lot of that going on right now. Whereas like the work from home environment uh, kind of encouraged this consumer demand, uh, you know, furniture, you know, you redo your house every five days because you're looking at the same picture on your wall and your board now you're going and you're you're spending more time traveling, like driving places. Like, are mm-hmm. are you thinking or seeing anything in the data that suggests that that might be, you know, I know it's early <laughs> in regards to that because we're still kind of getting out of that Omicron variant thing. But do, right. do you think that that might have some sort of play here? Well, first off, one of the things I would say I've learned over the last year is not to assume we're done with COVID right. <laughs> until True. we're really done with, with COVID. <laughs> Um, but but I, I think I think you're right uh, on some level because we do see more people going to work, and you know February consumer spending for retail was only up like 0.3 percent basically, and it's because so much money went to fuel and also just services too, right? So it's not just all oh, the cost of gas, but just like you're saying, now people are grabbing coffee on the way to work, whereas before maybe you're making it at home or you're getting lunch with uh, clients, or, and so there's all those other sort of hidden costs that go into getting back to work. And I mean, there's a reason that every mayor gets on TV once a week and says, come back downtown, revitalize the businesses. Because when people go to work, they spend money there. And one of the reasons we saw this big increase last year and in the second half of 2022 was because we were spending no money on services, basically. Uh, And now uh, we've really moved back. As we move back to the office, there will be more spent on services and, um, and less spent on goods. You know, the other thing, though, that I, I would say um, that, you know, it, we're kind of going to be in a hybrid environment where we have some of our pre-COVID activities mm-hmm. along with post-COVID activities. So, yes, people are now driving to work. We're doing all those things. Here's the other thing that we got to keep in mind. Though. E-commerce in the fourth quarter, uh, the most the most recent data we have, uh, was 13 percent of all retail was was e-commerce. Um, Pre-COVID, that number was about. 10, 10 and a half percent. So for every dollar spent on retail, about 10 and a half cents were e-commerce. Now it's about 13. And that was as high as 15 during during mid 2020. But it's, it's interesting because it, we kind of went up and now it seems like we've stabilized. So we've sort of plateaued right between 12 and a half, 13 percent. And what that means is now that doesn't sound like a lot. OK, we're up three percent. What you know, what is that? But three percent is the same amount that that e-commerce grew as a percentage of retail from 2006 to 2013, okay? So we're basically forward seven years in terms of e-commerce. And as we've talked about a bunch of times on this show, that means you need more trucks on the road, you need warehouses that are closer where people are. And so it's funny because, yeah, I, th- I do think we're gonna see some softening in the freight market because, um, because prices are so much higher, but it's gonna be fascinating to see if we put a dent into that e-commerce piece at all. If we go back down to 10%, 
my money would be that we we're not going to that that sort of we've plateaued around 12 and a half 13 and we're going to stay there and that's going to continue to be something that we have to factor in when we think about available capacity yeah, Zach, I think you bring up a great point here. And I mean, when we break down some of the retail sales report, I know you mentioned that, you know, BIP up to 0.3% for the month of February. One of the areas that was kind of a little bit, um, you know, shocking for sure was that non-store retailers aspect that dropped 3.7% on a month-to-month basis. Now, even though we're looking at that down 3.7% to you, what you just said, we're ahead by so much. Even when we look on a year-over-year basis, it's still up 13.8%, still up double digits. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're looking at you know that expansion um, in the e-commerce space still really going on, do you see this as a, a potential of like, okay, any type of slowdown here will be much appreciated because we can at least continue to build out and play catch up with some of that infrastructure? You know, I, I think it, a little bit of slowdown wouldn't be bad. You know, we've been running 100 miles an hour for two years, and maybe it'd be a good idea to, to slow down <laughs> a little bit, I think. Um, and, and, and I would guess that we're going to hit some sort of equilibrium. You know, you see like, okay, uh, people like J.B. Hunt, right? We're going to increase container capacity by 40%. You see all these fleets really expanding, you know, both in the international, intermodal side, domestic trucking side. We're all, you know, really in increasing fleet size. Maersk is even using some of their new boat, you know, their, their shipping money to expand into sort of end-to-end logistics. And so we see this big expansions with fleet. And, and it's funny because you would think like, okay, when this happened in 2018, it turned out not great, right? We had this big expansion in 2018. The tax cut turned out to be sort of a sugar rush. Things came back down in 2019 and we had, you know, 3,000 small carriers go out of business in 19 and 20. I think it's going to be a little different this time, partly because the e-commerce thing. But, you know, right now, if you think about where supply and demand is, and and this is the fundamental difference between now and 2018. In 2018, we did not have this long-term mismatch between supply and demand. Like right now, okay, here's demand way over here. Here's supply, you know, off the screen, right? Well, we're bringing supply up slowly. uh, And at the same time, because of the cost of fuel, demand might be coming down a little bit. Now, we always, I think, are primed to think, oh, demand goes down. That's bad. But it could be the case where demand is coming down to meet supply and we actually hit an equilibrium. And yes, growth is always great, but it's also nice to be in an equilibrium where not everything is, you know, we're running a million miles an hour, we're never going to catch up. So I, I think it could in some ways, there could be some hidden benefits to the increased cost of fuel if it's able to help supply and demand reach an equilibrium. Yeah, I love I love what you're saying right there. I mean, I don't like it from a guy that gets to talk about interesting stuff uh, aspect, but at the same time, uh, markets move towards equilibrium at all times. They're trying to get back to that point. Whether that's good or bad is is up to the the end uh, user, I guess. But the some of the stuff we're seeing right now, I know the chaos is not sustainable in the and it's way that it's been over the last probably eighteen months or so, and it, Certainly, there's been you know a boom in the freight market sector, um, and a little bit of stability is probably healthy overall because what we have is a very when you grow too fast, you get you normally get like a backdrop <laughs> or something that mm-hmm. overcorrects on the back end, and that's not that's not what we want in this situation. But it it's starting to look like we might have a few hiccups uh, in this uh, process coming out of it. Are there is there any 
kind of inherent risk that you see in your data right now that it looks like we might be you know, at risk for some sort of knee jerk to the other side in any given way? I know one of the things that I'm looking at right now is the maritime import side. And that looks to be mm -hmm. as strong as it's ever been <laughs> um, and, and very healthy. Uh, so it, certainly it validates your upstream uh, report about all that inventory build happening upstream. But on the downstream side, the service transportation is starting to see a little bit of contraction uh, month over month. Right. And so I, I do think part of that knee jerk, you know, it's, it's the bullwhip effect, right. right? Where, okay, we overcorrect and then we see the whip go back in the other direction. And that's exactly what's happening at inventory right now. I mean, you could lay out the inventory readings for the LMI or even, you know, uh, the Fed uh, sales to inventory data, and you will see absolutely there's a bullwhip going on uh, right now. And so that's where I think we're seeing most of the pain in the overcorrection right now. In terms of the actual services, like the, the infrastructure for downstream uh, service and delivery, we're still way back in terms of the number of warehouses we need and the number of, of trucks, I think, that we need on the road, particularly for warehouses. You know, trucks, we're, we've been able to build a little bit more quickly. I mean, of course, we have record backlogs right now because of the semiconductor issues, which right. I, I would like to <laughs> remind everybody, we still have tariffs on semiconductors for reasons that no one understands. Uh, but, um, you know, we have the warehouses, they have to be now closer to everybody because of how we change things. And so I think that we're not in the danger of an overcorrection on so much the physical infrastructure side as it stands right now. Uh, we will have some softening, uh, some softening, I think, in the transportation markets, but that's not necessarily uh, that's not necessarily something where I would think it's going to. Oh, yeah. See, there you go. That's that, that's <laughs> Indiana Jones if I ever saw it. Yeah. So um, you guys are so quick with the graph. Um, and so I, I wouldn't be as worried as I was, say, in 2018 when we or in 2019 and 20, when we hit the big crater that we did, um, and there will be some softening. But but again, I think this is moderating uh, more than the sort of whipsaw effect that we've had before. And, and kind of keeping on that topic of inventories, um, one of the things I saw that was in this most recent LMI report was that went to inventories chart. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Right. Yeah. So one of the things we talked about in, in the chart was, oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, was, uh, you know, the difference in what we normally see in the wintertime. Uh, and so we just looked at the last three years and, and I, I highlighted November's and February's and I highlighted November because November is a lot of times when inventory, either October or November is when inventory is really built up to its maximum level. Um, and you see from 19 to 20, uh, inventory went down uh, by six points. 20 to 21 went up by two. And then 21 to 22, it goes up by 22 points. And you can see why. I mean, look at all the Decembers up until December of 21, inventory goes down. And then in, in December of 21, it actually goes up. Same thing with January. It goes up like crazy. And then uh, the sort of run continues in, in February. And this is very unusual behavior, but it was a combination of a couple of things. One, we pushed sales forward like crazy. We tried to smooth out the curve because we knew big demand was coming. So it was like, Oh, it's not Black Friday. It's Black Fall. Prime <laughs> Day is extended. You know, we, we have Black Friday deals all through November. We're trying to sort of get people to, to shop early. And I know people who, you know, they were done uh, shopping for Christmas on like November 1st. Not me. I was done on December 24th. <laughs> but I know some people were done on, on November 1st. And then, you know, Omicron kicks in in high gear in December. And so we see actually when we look at adjusted uh, retail sales, if we control for seasonality, 
retail is actually down by 0.6% in December. And then January and February, we have the problems that we, we've talked about before. And when there's all of this inventory in the system, it's just going to make things go more slowly. It's like clutter. When there's clutter all around you, you can't move around as efficiently uh, and do and get things done as quickly. Things just start taking you a longer time. So it'll be a while before we work through this. One of the after effects, though, is like, you know, this isn't bad for everybody. Companies like Ross, TJ Maxx, Dollar General, they're having a great spring right now because there's all this inventory that couldn't be sold through the primary rechannel and is getting shunted off to secondary markets, um, which, by the way, I, I just calculated the size of the secondary market yesterday for a different thing I was doing. $688 billion in 2020, so 3% of GDP. And that's just because of the amount of returns and amount of overstocks we have flowing through the system right now. That is insane. Like I'm looking at your chart and just thinking like, oh my gosh, that there's definitely a bullwhip right there um, in the inventory. So what is the, what are we looking at at other components of the LMI? I mean, I think the inventory manager's life has got to be as nightmarish as it gets at this point. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to beat up on them too much yet. Let, let's talk about some of the other components. What are the utilization and capacity numbers look like this month? Sure. Well, uh, for warehouse capacity uh, and, and transportation capacity, we are below 50, I think, for the 18th month in a row for warehousing and maybe 20 months in a row uh, for transportation. So there continues to be a lack of available capacity, which, again, is why I was saying it might not be the worst thing for, for prices to increase a little bit to help right. us to hit that, that equilibrium. Uh, it's not like prices are going to go up and then there's going to be no demand for trucks anywhere. I mean, I, I saw you guys talking about the tender rejection rates yesterday and you were saying like, oh my gosh, it's all the way down to 16%, <laughs> which right? <laughs> not really low. I don't, I don't know if that's really low. It just feels low. It's like, you know, yesterday it was 65 degrees and I wore shorts because like it's summer. It's it's great. If In June, that wouldn't feel that good. So that's where I kind of think we are with with capacity right now. Utilization, we see about a 75 for warehouses, about a, I think a 68, 69 for, for transportation. And so utilization continues to grow. And it's funny that, that those rates of utilization are especially uh, pronounced um, downstream. Okay. So, so, you know, when we look at the significance, okay. Uh, downstream, I think for, for warehousing was 81, upstream was 69, for transportation, 75 to 64. Um, and so what that shows us is basically, you know, in terms of, of retail and things like that, they're using every square inch that they can, uh, every square inch that they can that's available because we have so much inventory in the system and we're trying to get it turned over uh, as quickly as we can. Which, by the way, I think, again, speaks to how funny it is that we have more inventory upstream. The, one of the reasons we have more inventory upstream is because there's literally no more space downstream for anything. <laughs> and so, but we have so much in the system that the overflow is actually greater than what we have, uh, you know, on shelves and, and in warehouses right now. Yeah, that's funny. The, the, I, was I mentioned that briefly this morning uh, where it, we don't know what kind of space, you know, say Home Depot has in some of their downstream facilities. You know, mm -hmm. the storefronts, they don't have a lot of back room, back uh, warehouse space at all. And nobody mm -hmm. really understands that, I think, if you're not in the space. Uh, so it's funny that you say that because they, they have to be just jam packed in, in all the, the front end loading sites. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, there's, there's, there's no room to move around right now. And you know, there could be some good sales. I think if people want right. <laughs> to want to get out and, and look around. 
And so, Zach, the other big part that I love from the LMI and closing here, last few seconds, future expectations. Right, right. By the way, I just want to mention to you guys, Colorado State started playing Michigan at 10, 15. There's no other show that I would be missing this for. Okay, this is the only one that I would do. Isaiah, feel free to put the score in the chat at some point. Uh, so, um, so when we look at when we look at future predictions, um, inventory levels are, are are still expected to grow this year. So it's a 74 for inventory growth. And again, putting that into perspective, the highest we had had before February was 72. So that's a pretty significant rate of growth. Right. And coming with that, all of our cost metrics look like they're in the 80s, uh, and capacity is growing at least. Okay, so yeah. it's not it's not high rates of growth. It's like a 52 for warehouse growth and a 59 for transportation. Those aren't extreme rates of growth, but it wouldn't be contraction, which would be sure. nice. Um, and so it looks like we are going to capacity slowly going to come up. And now this is where um, you know fuel prices play that X factor. If they drive demand down further, then we might see prices and and demand moderate a little bit. Well, there it is. <laughs> Dr. Zach Rogers, thank you so much <laughs> doing your jig. Good luck. Go watch your game. Uh, good luck to Colorado State uh, against Michigan. I believe you might have a chance to play my balls if you win. So. Yeah, no, and Chattanooga's in it and New Mexico. Yep. It's, it's a big day. It's a big day for us, guys. <laughs> good deal. Well, enjoy your St. Patrick's Day and thank you all for watching. Uh, be sure to check link. Subscribe on YouTube uh, if that's where you're watching this. <laughs> drink water. <laughs> <laughs>